Welcome to Gather Women Better Together. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode called Oaks of Righteousness. This is a podcast from IPHC Women, and we hope to encourage you in your daily journey of becoming more like Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about Oaks of Righteousness, and this is a message that was adapted from something the Lord has just been putting on my heart lately, and so I'm going to walk through it with you today. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. For they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. So we are talking this year about flourishing and how we can plant ourselves well to set up our you know life for flourishing as we partner with the Lord. And this is just a great message on how we become a planting of the Lord, how we um, become so planted on in Him that we can display His splendor and display His glory. So there's some historical context that we're going to explore here. Who's talking? Who are they talking to? Where are they talking? In what context? Um, And then we're going to kind of seek the Lord for what he's saying to us in this. So the book of Isaiah, it takes us on this journey from God's judgment to God's deliverance and restoration. Isaiah is written by the prophet Isaiah some 2,600 years ago, and it is a prophetic book, which means it just foretells of events to come. So in the earlier part of the book, Isaiah is pronouncing God's judgment on this people who are so lost, um, but God provides this light that will once again dawn, or he promises that there's a light that is going to dawn. So we have this idea of judgment contrasted with hope. Um, Israel, it kind of alludes to this image of Israel going to be, that it's going to be chopped down like a tree, that it's going to be left like a stump in the field. Um, And that stump is going to be scorched and burned. But God says that out of that stump is a smoldering holy seed that will survive to the future. But who and what is that seed? So these people, they are receiving judgment. Who are they? They're God's people who have lived to make themselves great and not God great. So they find themselves in exile. They are burned out. Their leaves are withered. There's no life. Isaiah 129 says, you will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. You will be disgraced because of the gardens that you've chosen. And you will be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. So this people is being judged, and then we see in the book of Isaiah this proclaiming of this coming Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. So this is the Old Testament, and the people, they kind of have to be like, what in the world are you talking about? This coming king, this small shoot of new growth that's going to emerge from the stump of David's family, this king will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to rule over Jerusalem, to bring justice for the poor. And really, Isaiah speaks of a day that is far, far beyond his days. 
Um, The purpose of God's judgment was to purify and bring the message of this holy seed that was to come. But then the shift happens in chapter 40 and um, chapter 61 provides a powerful text and it contains what we're going to call this kind of pregnant moment for us today. Um, This is so cool. So we're going to talk about who's speaking in this text. So just follow along as we unpack this for a minute. In verse one, Jesus is speaking the passage read by Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth in the synagogue. And how do we know this? Um, in Luke 4, 16 through 21, it says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and unrolling it. He found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the seal, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Go ahead, Jesus. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So the Messiah, the anointed one, this shoot that came out of the burned out stump of Jesse that was referenced in Isaiah 11, 1, it's Jesus Christ. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. He is the anointed one. So wait a minute. We're in the Old Testament. Jesus shows up in the New Testament in the flesh. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. How does this happen? Enter the Trinity. So we serve this Trinitarian God who is Father, Son, and Spirit in one. And from the beginning of time, says, let's make man in our image. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit been there since the beginning of time. So although Jesus shows up in the flesh in the New Testament, he shows up here in the Old Testament, really in the whole last half of Isaiah that um, is kind of foretelling of his coming. And it's just this powerful prophetic book of promise that is to come. It really totally boggles and baffles my mind and is kind of the coolest thing. So Isaiah wrote this passage in 700 BC, but if you fast forward to 30 AD in Luke 4, 16 through 20, and he, Jesus, came to Nazareth. You talk about the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. It's just this very pregnant moment, a moment that's about to give birth to the greatest truth, and that is who is the anointed one? Who is the Messiah? Who is going to set us free? Verse 21, it says, today it has been fulfilled. It is him who transforms us into oaks of righteousness. So we know that Jesus has fulfilled this promise that was foretold. So who's speaking in this original text in Isaiah? It's Jesus. He is the anointed one. He is the anointed Messiah. And how's he anointed? So God anointed people for tasks. He anointed priests. He anointed judges, Gideon, Deborah. How does God anoint Jesus here? Well, God is that Trinitarian three and one, one and three, three and one. Here we see this Trinitarian God working together. So God, the father sends God, the son to die for our sins. He is raised from the dead and God, the Holy spirit anoints God, the son for this task of preaching good news. And the spirit is then sent to us and gives us understanding for all of this. So the Trinity is just at work here. And what's he anointed to do? He's anointed to bring good news. And what is this news? He brings the good news and the good news. And he he brings the good news and he is the good news. So he brings this preaching of himself, this perfect life, this sacrifice, death, burial, resurrection. 
Who are the poor in this passage? The burned out oak trees. The poor are broken because of their sin. They're bound. They're depressed. They're those who think their life holds no more than ashes and sackcloth and despair. And to these, Jesus says, good news. He doesn't come to speak to the well. He comes to speak to the sick. And we are the broken people. So how has he made this possible? Jesus died. He faced death on the cross to bring life to a bunch of burned down, cut down stumps. And out of our hopelessness, God brings life through Jesus. And that is the good news. And what does the good news look like? Number one, to proclaim the good news to the poor is important because one of the consistent charges in early Isaiah was of judgment. And it talks of how they've been, they've mistreated the poor. Secondly, he's going to bind up the brokenhearted. That's what the good news read represents. Number three, freedom for the captives. The northern tribes have been destroyed and held captive in another land. Southern tribes several hundred years later will become captives, and there are many today who remain captive. Number four, the good news proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. And up until this point in the book, the people are often experiencing his discipline and his wrath. So it's kind of a big deal. It's a time where rich blessing is now here. That year is often tied to this next idea, which is number five, the day of vengeance of our Lord, where those who have been oppressed and brokenhearted and captive and poor and those who cannot defend themselves says he's going to exact justice on this oppressor, the enemy. And number six, he's going to comfort those who mourn. We want to be on the side of the poor and the brokenhearted and the captive and the prisoner. Number seven, he's going to provide for those who grieve in Zion, which is the Old Testament for Jerusalem. And in the New Testament, we know of a heavenly Zion that's referenced in Hebrews 12. Those who live in Jerusalem are grieving for the destruction and the oppression in their city, and God's going to provide for them. Number eight, he's going to bestow a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And there are those in every age who upon their head is a crown of ash, no joyful crown to speak of. And he's going to put a crown of beauty and righteousness, yet he had to put on a crown of thorns to make that possible. Number nine, the oil of joy instead of mourning. It's this picture of anointing. It's a joyful thing. It's opposite of sackcloth and ashes. And people will experience mourning, but he will bring them joy. Number 10, the garment of praise instead of despair. We're going to have something to praise the Lord about. Um, He uses this garment, this clothed in righteousness, which is a New Testament reference. But why? Why? He does all these things, um, these things he's going to do for this result. And this reference, it says, they will be called oaks of righteousness in Psalm 1, unmovable. That they would be called, this is unbelievable against the backdrop of where Israel is at. The northern part's been destroyed. Judah has been involved in idolatry. So how are these people going to become oaks of righteousness? It's because of the work of the Messiah. And the same is true today. The Messiah is still our hope. A planting of the Lord, that's us and he must plant us. And why does he do it? It's for the display of his splendor, God's glory, not just any sort of glory. He glorifies himself by taking care of the poor and the brokenhearted through salvation and righteousness and by making a people who were in every way sinful oaks of righteousness. It is not about us. And this is countercultural to the world that we live in today. So some takeaways for you. Number one, just as the spirit of the sovereign Lord was on Jesus, that same spirit lives in us today. The same spirit on him 
is in us because Jesus set us free. His spirit now lives in us and we are living in the year of the Lord's favor. We don't have to walk around brokenhearted and bound and captive and poor. Jesus has made a way out for us and the Holy Spirit comforts and provides for us. This fires me up because I think as we are in kind of the Christian calendar, you wrap up Easter and the Ascension and you head into the Great Commission and then you're exploring how to stand as oaks of righteousness and then you head straight into Pentecost um, where you're believing for the power of the Holy Spirit and fire to do a new work in us. And the waters of revival are stirring. The waters of revival are stirring and it is not time for the church to hang her head in defeat. Some say, what is this world coming to? It's my right. There's so many polarized issues consuming us. Guess what? He is not taken by surprise. And we are born into this generation at such a time as this for this purpose, to be his oaks of righteousness. We're filled with his spirit to do even greater things. And I think we need to buckle up because we are just getting started. We don't have to walk around in defeat. We don't have to be woe is me. This doesn't serve me. Blah, blah, blah. It's not about you. It is all about Jesus. And this world needs to see you lift your head, square your shoulders, shut your mouth sometimes, love people, and walk in the Holy Spirit that empowers you every single day. Number two, Jesus provides the great exchange. He gives beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And he exchanged the death that we deserve with the gift of life everlasting. So the crown of thorns that he bore, it paved the way for the crown of beauty that adorns us as his followers. And instead of sackcloth and ashes and defeat, we get to walk in and operate in the oil of joy. We need not despair. We only must put on the garment of praise that he's given I think the last time I checked when I walked into my closet and I saw clothes hanging on my hangers, they didn't just hop on my body. I had to actually put action behind that. I had to put on those garments. And sometimes we have to actually put on that garment of praise. It's action on our part. Number three, Jesus makes us righteous. Right standing with God. It is Christ who makes us righteous. Our righteousness is filthy rags. We are not capable of attaining it. He does the planting. He plants us strong, sturdy, and resilient as oaks of righteousness. And how? why does he do it? It's certainly not for our selfish gain. It is all for his glory. What does this look like? It looks like this. Jesus is the anointed one who plants us as oaks of righteousness to display his glory. How beautiful is the God who restores that oak tree? Where has he planted you? What family? neighborhood, job, or community are you a part of? It's not by chance that you are where you are. So quit looking at the lives others are living and creating some field that you think is yours to harvest. Quit comparing. Where has he planted you? You are a planting of the Lord, an oak of righteousness designed to draw others to Christ by displaying his glory. And your life should proclaim the good news, the year of the Lord's favor to the world around you. But God in his mercy, who is gracious and good, makes them into oaks of righteousness full of life. Though we deserve judgment and are burned out, exhausted, dying oaks, God comes in and makes us oaks of righteousness and restores us into these trees that are green and full of life. 
praise God that he comes in to replant us as these oaks. Jesus proclaimed a good news and he anoints us to do the same. We are sent out to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty and to comfort those who mourn. We are anointed and sent. We must bind up brokenhearted. We bandage them together. Those who have a life that is without Jesus, he comes in, he sets those broken bones, he cleans out those wounds, he heals it. We get to be liberty to captives. We get to be conduits of Jesus flowing through us to open prison doors. Quit letting the enemy have his way with you and those you love. It's time for us to kind of get all mama bear. Christ comes in and sets us free, and then he judges the oppressor, and he gives us three things we don't deserve. Beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, and garment of praise for despair. And what about the oak? It symbolizes stability and permanence. It's not broken down by storms or trampling. It's permanent. You can't knock a big old oak tree down. Who are the burnt out trees? It could be us. Our pride, our sin, the ways we exalt ourselves. Oaks of righteousness, they're bowing in God to repentance. We have humility. He gives us the righteousness we don't deserve, and our lives are filled with joy, eternal joy. And why? So we can display God's glory. And when His beauty is reflected in us, we become beautiful that the world might come to Him. So where has He planted you? Ask God for the courage to proclaim the good news of Christ for His glory and live out the righteousness that is yours in Christ. Walk confidently as an oak of righteousness, set free from your captivity, adorned with beauty, joy, and praise to radiate the glory of the Lord right where He has planted you. Thanks for listening to Gather, Women Better Together. Gather is a resource from IPHC Women. We hope that this podcast is a place of encouragement and inspiration, no matter what season of life you are in. Don't forget to subscribe. This helps us reach more women. And please leave us a review or comment. We love to hear from you. Find more episodes at iphc.org slash gather podcast. We truly believe women are better together.